On this episode, we have two new podcast guests who both went through the wire. I decided to go left with my tear of the week. And Eric Seed says endorsements is about way more than just free stuff. Don't worry. You can thank me later. Thank me later. Thank me later. Thank me later. Everybody. Welcome to episode 37 of the Balance Room Music Podcast. I am your host, musician and producer Ingrid Wood, W-O-O-D-E. This podcast is available on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Google Play for you to subscribe to. That way you don't have to wonder when is a new episode coming out, which is usually once a week, <laughs> but, um, but that way when you are subscribed to whichever of those apps that I just named, When I upload a new episode, you get just one, one automatic notification letting you know there's something new for you to listen to inside of the balance room. To my returning balance roomers, welcome back. I appreciate you. To my new balance roomers, my new listeners, welcome. I appreciate you for hitting play. And I know this is called the Balance Room Music Podcast, but it's not just for music lovers. It's not just for musicians. This podcast is really for creatives who already are or who have a desire to make a living from their creative side. So I share parts of my journey. Um, I used to, right out of college, I worked for about seven years juggling, (laughs) working as a chemist and growing the music side of my life, writing and and producing, a little bit of performing. And then I eventually veered away from working as a chemist. So I, like I said, I share parts of my journey and I also bring in guests into the balance room, uh, guests whose work I have admired from afar and uh, bring them in and, and converse with them and I share our conversation via the podcast. My desire, my hope for you is that you enjoy this episode, <laughs> that you find something of value in this episode. Um, and if you do, of course, after you listen to it, and if you do, and if you have somebody in your life who you think would enjoy this episode or appreciate it, I encourage you hit that share button it's in your app. You decide wherever you want to share it. Um, and of course, you can always just copy the link and text it or email it to somebody. But uh, my again, my hope and my desire is that you enjoy this episode, that you find something of value inside of here. And on that note, I'm excited because I'm bringing in a new guest into the balance. Well, I should really say guests with an S <laughs> into the balance room. Uh, Chike Oza and Cootie Simmons, better known as Cootie and Chike who have the production company called Creative Control. I feel pretty confident in saying that I think there's not too many people who haven't seen their work. Like they, they've they directed some pretty significant videos like Kanye West Through the Wire. I spit it through the wire, man. Erica Badu's video for Window Seat. And I remember the day that this video came out because um, I I would I would come from the lab and I would sit at my desk and I would every single day, multiple times a day. It probably shouldn't should not have done this, but I would look on their website to see what new video was up there, what new short film or series was up there. And this particular day, I sat down and was like, oh okay, a new video. And I was like, oh Erica Badu window seat. And I started watching it. And then I was like, uh-oh, 
<laughs> I may need to watch this after work. But, um, and that's just a couple of the videos that they directed. They directed uh, the film for ESPN's 30 for 30 about the story about Benji Wilson. There was violence in Chicago. There's no question about that. Nobody let this man get in trouble. This was gonna be our, you know, quote unquote, little messiah. He gonna take us to the promised land. How could this happen? Why did it happen? They directed the Muhammad Ali documentary called The People's Champ. I, and I think, I could be wrong, I think that came out in 2015. I have wrestled with an alligator. I done tussled with a whale. I done handcuffed lightning, throw thunder in jail. That's bad. And another docufilm that they're actually, they're, they're finishing it up currently. Uh, it's called The First to Do It, The Life and Times of Earl Lloyd, who is the first African-American to play in the NBA. So they're wrapping that up now. I think they've done a few uh, screenings of the rough edit, but, but it's in post-production now. So I think that should come out this year, 2017. So keep a, a lookout for that. I'm going to tell you really quick how I even came to find out about Chike and Kuti and Creative Control. So rewind like early 2000s. So my older sister, she went to undergrad and graduate school at, at University of Chicago. So by the time she was in grad school, I was finally in undergrad. I went to Tuskegee. And so when we would come home, she would always bring me a CD with uh, some music on it that wasn't really out yet. So this one time he came home and she was like, there's a song on here. She's like, I think you're really going to like it. This guy who's rapping on it, he produced that. He produces music. He produces for other people. Um, His name is Kanye West. I'm like, Kanye West? Okay. And as soon as I hear the Shaka Khan sample, and I loved it. So when I went back to school, anytime... Anybody got in my car, I always made sure that I played this song. People would be like, who is that? I'm like, it's this guy named Kanye West. So when the, when it finally came out, I had no idea what Kanye West looked like or anything like that. Because uh, you got to think this, at this point, it was right a little bit before YouTube had even come out. iPods had only been out for a couple years. Um, you know, so we, there was no like Google searching, there was no YouTube at most, maybe like Yahoo search. Everybody was on Yahoo at this point. But when the video finally came out, of course I loved Kanye West, but I'm like, who did this video? And so a couple years after that, when YouTube finally came on the scene, um, and I was probably still searching a little bit in Yahoo. Uh, I eventually found out about Cootie and Chike and eventually found out about creative control. So I've been following their career and the different things that they've been working on for going on nine to 10, nine or 10 years now. So being able to have this conversation, um, it's a blessing for me. And I'm really excited for y'all to hear, to hear this conversation. I'll give you one disclaimer though. <laughs> so we started the conversation out on Google Hangout which is how I like to record conversations when I'm in one place and my guest is in another. But for some reason, this particular day, my internet decided to act funky. So we had to take the conversation from Google Hangout and I recorded a phone conversation. Um, So forgive, you know, forgive the audio. Most of, we didn't do 
too much of the conversation on Google Hangout. But there is one segment in this episode where I kind of pieced together something. It was for the the go-to gadget. So when you get to that and the audio is, is slightly different, that's why. Um, and also a side note for my avid balance rumors, episode 32 Mm, that that situation that happened it was with <laughs> it was with uh Chike and Cootie it was with with creative control so um if you ever go back and check episode 32 I was talking about this conversation but I've talked long enough so without further ado let's go ahead and step into the balance room I got a good okay. story uh, it was just my my story on how you know I got to New York and and what I did oh, in New York, yeah. but I but I started with this, right? Because I'm from the south side of Chicago, you know, which is straight, um, you know, it's hood, put it like that, but it's not. You know what I mean? It's like the kids were bad, but the grass was manicured nice, you know, but <laughs> we was gang banging and stealing bikes and doing all of that. But in my neighborhood, it was like, it was like to be dumb was cool. Right, so if you read books and all, you was a nerd. You didn't want to be none of that. You wanted to be in the end crowd. So they was all, even though they probably was reading and knew where they were, but, you, you know, you just wanted to be like them. So you didn't do it. You know, you just cut school and did all that. And and so when I moved to New York, I just got named Big Shoes before I left, and this guy named Clarence, which is my real name, Clarence, he gave me this book. So Clarence gave me this book called Keys of Success by Napoleon Hill. And Big Shoes, his name Devin, but we call him Big Shoes. He gave me this book called Celestine Prophecy. So, you know, when I'm, I'm in Chicago, I'm doing comedy. I got this show called Channel Zero that's blowing up. Well, what, Channel Zero, y'all? Like I said, we back on the scene. JD's birthday party. We got my man Murder Mace, baby. What's the deal with you, baby? I'm chilling. I'm just happy to be here, happy to be a part of it. Happy to still be breathing at 20, you know? For sure, for sure. I see you having much success, man. What's next, man? You know, I'm um, hosting and, and killing the game with that show on public access, and I'm throwing parties. I'm driving a source truck, um, this, this Pepsi source truck promotional vehicle. I'm just kicking it, having a ball. So when, they gave, when he gave me them books, I wasn't about to read them books. I tried to read a paragraph, and then next thing I know, I'm getting a call about going to Hooters or something and kick it. So I'm like, okay, well, you know, forget these books. So when I moved to, New, to L.A., see, Kanye moved, I mean, to New York. Kanye moved to New York first. And then I'm like, okay, I got to get close to Kanye because we was filming in Chicago, and I just knew he was going to blow up. And he started selling beats to Jay-Z. I was like, okay, I'm going to get to New York. So I made my way to New York. And the way I made it to New York is, crazy because I got carjacked. The reason why I had the money to get to New York, somebody carjacked me from my car, took my camera and everything. And when they gave me the money back for what was stolen out of my car, it was enough for me to move. Me and my uh, first wife, Kim, we moved here. And, um, and you know, we, I'm here with Kanye. We're doing our thing, trying to get it in the mix. And then like a month later, 9-11 happened, you know, September 9-11, 2001. And the buildings fell, and I'm in Brooklyn. Like, and when that happened, I mean, New York shut down when nothing happened. And I'm brand new in New York. Kanye all the way in uh, Newark, and I'm all the way in Brooklyn. So we wasn't able to see each other. And all my people that was here, they were stuck in, in Manhattan. So I'm just in Brooklyn, and I'm like, dang, you know, I got nothing to do for months. I mean, it was like that for months, uh, for at least two months, definitely. And I had them books, and I'm like, let me let me read this Keys of Success book. Let me see what this is about. So when I read the book, 
Uh, hold on one second. I'll let that apply. Okay. It sounds like 9 11 right now, don't it? So when I, when I have nothing to do, I'm like, let me read the book. And I picked up Keys of Success, and it was like, I'm reading it, and I realized that I couldn't read. Because I'm reading words that I didn't know the, what the words was, like initiative and, you know, words like that. So I'm like, that's why I had to take a, a dictionary and read the book with a dictionary, write all the words that I didn't know, learn what they mean, and I had to do that. I read the book three times before I really understood it. And when I understood that, that's when I started putting my goals together because it keeps success. That's the whole thing. you got to first have a principal purpose in life, a goal, and then you got to work your way to that goal. And it's about, you know, getting your mastermind alliances and all of that. So I'm learning this, and I'm like, oh, this is dope. So I'm like, okay, well, let me read the Celestine Prophecy. So I read Celestine Prophecy. Then I read Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Then I went to the library, and I got, like, that beginning director's book and beginning screenwriter's book, and I was just reading. It was crazy because I really had nothing else to do. <laughs> and sure enough, you know, New York got back to going, and I started back throwing parties. I, you met Chike. We did through the wire, and then Eric Badu video, and, now doing documentaries and guess what? I still can't read. No man. <laughs> no, so that, that that's 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 a story that that is is, is kind of inspiring to 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 me and I would believe it to be inspiring to kids that came up like me in Chicago and the hood. Period. Because it's about living life and understanding that you can that you're never too old to learn. I'm gonna say that never too old to learn, and you can be whatever you want to be if you if you believe. So. Here I am. I say mine deals a lot with, like, I want to say, like, the subconscious, you know what I mean? I think a lot of this has to do with where you grew up and your environment that you grew up in and the, and the access you have and the things that you're exposed to, you know? And, uh, and some people have minimal exposure and, and are, blow, are, are born into dire conditions of extreme poverty. And then you have others that are opposite that have access to everything. And you have people that fall in between the spectrum. And so I feel like with me, you know, I was fortunate enough to have parents that really cared about what I was exposed to and kind of, you know, threw me into the into a lot of different things to make sure that I was able to see possibility. And, and I think, uh, like, uh, I subconsciously would see things and, and, you know, I would hold on to things that I really wanted to do, even though I had no idea how to achieve it. You know what I mean? Like, I remember going to the movie theater and seeing movies and thinking, like, man, I'd love to make a movie one day, but just thinking that it seemed so far out. Like, it just felt too complex because I never had been exposed to how a movie was actually made. Or, like, I remember seeing a, 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 seeing a billboard and being like, man, it'd be dope to be on a billboard, you know, like, modeling on a billboard. But, like, how, like nobody cares about putting me on a billboard. Why would they put me on a billboard? You know what I'm saying? You know, or, or just even seeing music, music videos on TV and just my love for music. Being like, man, it'd be so cool to be able to do that one day. But, you know, these are things, like, I obsessed with. I didn't, they weren't just, like, a thought that came and then disappeared. Like, I obsessed over these thoughts. And there were other things in there as well. The interesting thing is that now, and these are, talking about this is young. This is, like, 7, 15, up through college. It's, like, now, it's, like, we've made music videos for the number one artists in the world. You know, we've been in magazines, whether as ads, we did an ad for LRG clothing line and was in on, on magazines. You know, we have we had our documentaries in theaters and are working on screenplays to do feature films right now. So it's like, wow. I just look back and, and that's the one thing I want kids to know is like, including now, we were both these kids from inner cities, from neighborhoods that, that, 
kid, a lot of kids don't make it out of. You know what I mean? And uh, mm-hmm. and the fact that it was as simple as just really putting a lot of extreme thought into what it is that you really wanted to do or were passionate about. And it's almost like the more you think about it, the more you make that a reality in your world. And uh, and then these things just come to life. And so I can only say that it's a real thing. <laughs> you know, if you obsess over something and really believe that you can achieve it, you will. When we say we that we you know a lot of kids don't make it out the hood. A lot of kids do go to jail. A lot of kids do um, get killed from our like our neighborhoods. And then you got the other the others that didn't follow their dreams. You know what I'm saying? So to to be from the hood and follow your dreams is something even more crazy than getting out the hood. Because you know some people you know they work regular jobs like a uh, post office or whatever. And uh, and they make you know they they get houses they do their thing but the ones that I know they're not the happiest about that but to come out the, the out of the hood and follow your dreams is something that is 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 a little more crazy because we wasn't taught that we I was taught to get, grow up go to college get a job and that was it. So- I say for me it'd be that John Legend off of his first album that joint um You Don't Have to Know. Because that's like to me that period defines sort of like the moment that kinda of Queen and I really sort of kinda of bonded over the the Kanye West video. It represents like a period in time when we devoted all of our energy into creating a project that would be the foundation for our careers. As he was throwing at I me, mean, we'd be in the edit up until like five in the morning you know mind you I had to go to work because I was working in TV at the time so we'd be up in there working on the video and then I'd turn back around and go to work like three hours later sometimes I'd sleep on the couch but when we would leave the edit we would be like I said when we'd leave the edit it'd be like four in the morning we're driving uptown and it's Cootie's Cherokee and he'd be you know the album hadn't even come out yet but we had music because we all were rocking as a unit you know um, and we'd, rock, we'd play the music and we wouldn't even be tired our passion for what we were doing was so strong in that music and we just didn't call just seeing our whole lives in front of us and, and dreaming about the future and it's like when I hear that song it just reminds me it's like dang almost like we, we were supposed to connect and it's supposed to happen and you know what I mean it just reminds me the, of our uh, everything you want it just reminds me of our whole mantra you know what i mean like follow your dreams you know come true and create your own realities and so when i hear that song it's just, that, that song that whole album actually but that song was one of my favorites at that time so that makes me think of that that time Honestly, my most guys right now is my uh, iPhone, you know, because I just got it all the time. So when I see something I want to film, I have it, so I use it. And so my iPhone, I got an iPhone 6. They shoot 4K. So, yeah, it got to be my iPhone. Not to not to totally bite exactly what he said. He said the exact same thing. I'm working on a, uh, a screenplay right now. So I'm writing. So the phone captured sort of like moments of inspiration throughout the day so that I can remember that as I'm writing. So like if I see something interesting, I'll, I'll record a voice memo to let me know like, you know, that could be a good scene. Or if I saw it to me visually, I'll take a picture and, and then that way. It's almost like I can create a journal. You can create journals with your phone. 
So that's kind of how I've been using it as of recent. Okay, we're about to get into the Ask EC segment. If you have a business music question or anything in between, you can email those questions to Eric at the balance room.com E R I C at the balance room.com. And of course you can always ask those questions on any of the social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can find us, uh, just look up the balance room music podcast and we should pop up. And if you want uh, to remain anonymous, no worries. Just let us know. What's up, Balance Room? Shout out to Ingrid Wood. What's good? Quote, do endorsement partnerships with brands happen because of companies reaching out to artists or musicians, or does it happen the other way around? Unquote. I would have to be fair and just say that I know that probably every musician or producer has a different story. Um, because the one thing I want everybody to understand about endorsements is, is it's, it's a partnership, it's a relationship, and it's also cross-promotion. So it is you're bringing to something to the table, um, and they're bringing something to the table. And you guys team up because you need each other. They need your resources, they need your artistry, they need your promotion, and vice versa. That goes both ways. So when you can bring something to the table, your endorsement probably looks better um, both on paper and physically. So, um, you know, you, you have to build up to a value, though. You, you know, you can't just want free equipment, but you have no accolades or credentials. So, you know, keep in mind that if you were the company, ask yourself, why do I need this teammate? You know, be, be of some kind of value or consistent promotion for them to display their name, their badge or whatever it is, the logo. Um, and, and vice versa, because it's a, it's a good team when you can make it happen and make it win-win for both sides. So I hope that answers something for somebody, because I remember when I was young coming up, I thought I was just talented enough to get sticks. But no, we come a dime a dozen in what we do, um, and you really have to have a some sort of a business concept to the approach and not just expect things to be handed out to you. Those Those perks and gifts are cool when they do come, but... You, you need to work for something as well. So just be of some kind of value and then eventually build your own brand. So that is, you know, that you're doing the very things that you needed somebody else for at one time. So I hope that helps out. Peace, cease, and I'm out. Peace, cease, and I'm out. Peace, cease, and I'm out. I mean, your relationships, I think, are, are everything. I think that's the one thing, like, why we're such a good partnership, because I think, if anything, maintaining relationships is probably my biggest weakness. And I think... Cootie's really good at relationships and really good at building with people. Because of that, I can see firsthand how important that is. Because I'm just seeing, I've seen it activated. I've seen something happen because of a relationship. You know, I've seen an idea get manifested because of a relationship that wouldn't have gotten manifested. You know, and a relationship had nothing to do with your talent. It just had everything to do with being sociable at that at a particular time. Sort of almost like being selfless at a particular time because you gave somebody else your time to care about who they were and what they were about you know yep. yeah, yeah. Yep. And, and then you can't like 
you know, burn bridges. I, I don't go in no relationship or, or we don't go in no relationship thinking about burning bridges because it's just about being good and being honest. And that's the way you should live life. And, and when you live life like that, that's when everybody, you know, that's when you have a lot of great, great relationships and then people want to help you. But then you still got the haters, of course, but, you know, we don't think about that. We just think about the ones that want to help you. And, you know, that's how, that's, that's what's great about relationships, you know. And it ain't like start a relationship with somebody for what they can do for you. You know what I mean? I read this book, Celestine Prophecy, and the whole thing was there's no coincidences in life. So when you when you look at um when you meet somebody, it ain't wasn't an accident that you met that person. So a lot of times you just figure out why did I meet this person? You know, it might not be nothing, but why not figure that out? Because, you know, there's a million people that you can meet a day and if you meet somebody and it really stands out then it's yeah. a purpose and God got a purpose for that. But that's that's the building of relationships. Speaking of relationships, you all, you didn't necessarily start your careers out together, but once your paths did cross, what made you decide not just to do one or two projects together, but, you know, but to come together as a team? Right. Well, I could say the first thing is the cheek out all the girls, so I wanted to be around. <laughs> yeah, I would. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, perfect, man. This dude all the girls. <laughs> Ooh, I wish. I, was, I think, you know, to, to me, and I let Chike talk, but, it, you know, it was like the, the talent and just, be, you know, Chike, a cool person, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, I think we had some of the same goals and, and some of the same ideas that it was like uh, a perfect relationship. You know, it didn't happen overnight. It was just like, you know, we met. And like I said, we continued the conversation to figure out why we met. And then he seen what I had and I seen what he had, even though I've met him at the, you know, at MTV and he was doing his thing there. So I knew what he can do. But then when we build on a personal level, that's when it was like, oh, this dude cool, too. You know what I'm saying? And and we kicked it and had fun before we did any work uh, uh, at all. And I was actually kicking it with his with his uh, roommate, Warren Oliver. We called him Snoop before GK, really. And, yeah. You know, but it was like I say, everything happened for the reasons. And, you know, this is almost 13 years or, or longer since we worked together. So we know this reason. You know what yeah. I mean? And just to piggyback off of what you were saying, it was it was so many factors into it. Like you said, it didn't happen overnight, and it was a hundred percent organic. And uh, mm-hmm. especially for me, because I'm definitely one to I'm I'm a, we're kind of opposites when it comes to people. So I'm more like pessimistic as far as bringing people into into my life in a close way. And I feel like with, with Cody, we just the fact that he uh, was as talented as he was, and we both recognized our talents. Like you said, that didn't happen so much later. But I think it was more so on so many different levels. We shared common interests. He's like a, a older brother to me, so you have just that relationship alone. You know what I mean? And that could happen mm-hmm. to do a lot with me not growing up with any siblings. So mm-hmm. I feel like this void that people feel in, in your life, and I think our relationship is strong, at least from my perspective, because there's a lot of voids that he probably feels in, in my life. Like, definitely one is just trust. There's not a whole bunch of people that I could say I trust, like, 100%. So mm-hmm. with him, it's like I trust him 100%. This has nothing to do with work. This just has everything with my life. You know what I'm saying? Like, if my life was on the line, I would trust his advice for that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So. And vice versa. What's crazy is that, see, I didn't have no, no brother growing up. It was me and a bunch of girls. You know, <laughs> so I always wanted a brother. <laughs> and then uh, me, TK, who, who's what? How are you about seven years, eight years yeah. younger than me? Yeah. 
and, and, and everybody think we brothers. That's what's right. funny. <laughs> you know, Chike, you mentioned, you talked about, you know, when you were at MTV, when you all linked up and built that friendship, did you eventually leave to, you know, to focus on what you all were doing? Um, and if so, like, kind of what, what was that, that time frame? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's I a good that. story. And then the stuff I remember that I remember that clear as day because uh, we had created this video that was really dope and that was like the number one video on MTV. They were playing it over and over and over again. And mind you, I'm at MTV working as a junior designer at the time, and I look up and I'm seeing like our video number one. You know what I'm saying? And um, we had gone out to LA to an All Star weekend, and I remember like. Uh, you know, at MTV was cool because the atmosphere was always relaxed. It wasn't like a typical punch-in, nine-to-five job. Like, it was kind of laid back, you know. As long as you got your stuff done uh, on time, nobody was really tripping. But uh, one particular reason, I remember, like, my project manager just kind of was tripping on me. And I don't know if she was just because she was just hating at the fact that, I, you know, I was out in L.A. I don't know what it was. And I was ahead in my work, and my stuff was getting done. I'm like, yo... I'm a, I was letting her know. I wasn't calling in, really doing her courtesy to let her know I'm going to be out here for a couple more days because we were just, it was my first time in L.A. and we were just kicking it. We were making all these relationships. You know, it was just a dope time. And it was sunny outside, you know. So I was like, I told her and she gave me a problem with it. And I just remember looking at Cootie, thinking about the video, thinking about, you know, everything that's going on. And I'm like, what? What am I? I called her back. I said, you know what? I'm not coming back to <laughs> work. It happened just like that, you know what I'm saying? But I realized at that moment it was it was time. I had outgrown that. It was time for me. I mean, I, I had gone there. My whole purpose of going to MTV was to to do music videos. I feel like I felt like I was gonna meet somebody there. I was gonna meet an artist and I'd be doing music video. That was the whole point. And I think I don't even. Cootie might have said it. Maybe I, I remember he might have said like, "You're doing what you said you were gonna do." Like so now it's time for me to leave. That's what I went there to do. I accomplished the goals. I learned everything I need to learn. I'll never devalue my experience at MTV because it, it was the foundation for me to understand the business, to understand what it meant to, to to have some sort of discipline behind you know working hours. I learned so much about the industry there. Just things that were, I think it's important to have that foundation. But you also got to understand when you got to kind of cut the umbilical cord too. You know what I mean? Yeah. You got to just like, do it. Yeah. It's no, it's no, and it's never easy. And it's, and it's like I tell people asking that all the time. I'm like, it's going to be hard. It's going to be one of the hardest decisions you make. But it's going to be one of the most rewarding decisions you make. And it's going to be harder to survive after you do it. But you're going to have to. You're never going to want to go back. And you're going to have the most fun. It's like a beautiful struggle. You know what I'm saying? Right, and then at, at the I, I, at the moment, I definitely didn't say what TK thought I might have said because I, I definitely I definitely thought he was doing the right thing because I did it. I had a job since '94. I got fired from my job though, so but I said I'd never work again for nobody. And when TK did that, see, I I was just a little nervous, like dang, because I knew what I was going through in life. You know what I'm saying? I knew it wasn't easy, and I knew he was getting paid them checks. So I'm like, dang, uh, well, let's let's make it happen. We go practice, you know. But but you know, I knew I knew I, I wasn't worried, worried. But you know, like when he first said, I, I ain't going back. I was like, oh shoot, okay. Well, <laughs> we got to get busy then. Well, Cody, like I'm really interested to know, like, how did the transition happen from being a comedian to picking up a camera? And, and document it happened actually with it with this the one of our first uh channel zero shows we was outside of this park because i used to, i i was really the host 
So I would go around, I'd interview people, you know, because I was funny. And uh, Danny Sorge, he was a, he was on the camera. And then one day, this big fight broke out. And Danny was filming the fight, but then when it got real serious, he stopped filming. So I'm like, dude, give me the camera. So I just grabbed the camera and just started filming the fight, which really was our biggest show because everybody was tripping on that fight that we, because, you know, this is 95, 96. Wasn't no, well, you weren't seeing no fights on TV like you do now. You know, you, on bloopers, you barely would see any, you know, they wasn't showing fights or nothing on the blooper shows. But, um, but that's what I did, and, and that was the show that catapulted us, uh, Channel Zero. And then after that, Danny, he was, uh, you know, I got so excited about putting this, this show on, on cable because everybody was going crazy. It was on public access, but people loved the show. We had, you know, Shaq and different people like that on the show, and we not treating them like every other, you know, interviewer would treat a person we like, you know, I'm asking the stuff like, man, did you did you smash old girl? So they loved it, and the, and the audience loved it. So that was the first time I picked the camera, and then Danny wasn't coming on a lot of stuff. I was like, dude, give me the camera. So he started giving me the camera, and I would go out, and that's when I started filming Kanye. That's when I seen Kanye and started filming him, you know, and led up until until today. So yeah, that was the first time though that fight at the at the crowbar. Creative Control TV. What was Creative Control when it when it first started? You know, you have like a, your initial intention and, and you put it out and, and it grows. So, what was it when it first started versus what it evolved into? Because when it came out, I had graduated from college and I was working at in the you know chemistry lab and some of those tests would take forever to do and I try to find stuff to do and. I found creative control and when it came out at the time that it did it was like it was an innovator in terms of the concept and the content and you know even the visual experience as a viewer it was as it, it is aesthetically pleasing and I went on there recently and I saw you know y'all are revamping it right now but what did it start out as and what what is it evolving into initially started really as an idea it was, it, it was the name of our company the reason why we need that company, Creative Control, our production company, was because of a commercial job that we were doing where we sort of lost creative control. Um, and in that moment, we realized, one, that we'll never be put in that situation again, and two, we learned the importance of creative control because it, it represents your integrity. Whatever you stand for, you know, when you put your name on work, that represents you. So we never wanted to be put in a position where we didn't have control over that. And so then we're like, man, that'd be a dope name for for a company. So we came with the name Creative Control. And that was that we were working as a production company and then Cootie always and his Cootie's passion and vision, he'll tell you about it, I'm sure that you know, he had this written down before we even met on a dotted line paper where it was like certain things that he wanted to achieve in life and one was a network. And so now of course you think a network, you know, we're looking at like MTV at the time, like man, how do we supposed to achieve something like that? But then the technology sort of started to grow. We saw an opportunity to at least have a presence online with what we were thinking at the time, something that we could put our work up, like a portfolio sort of that other people could interact with. So it was like, let's just put our work out on the site. And, you know, I think there were some other sites that were kind of coming up at the time where people could interact with our work and kind of start to populate it from there. But then that started to kind of scroll to something bigger. I can't remember if we seen that as a network then or if it just grew into what it grew into as far as like us putting like us putting our work on the site. I don't know if we and visualize that as being a true network or, or was it just more like a cool way to display our work? I, I can't remember but 
I, I think know. it was for my boss. It was like number Dame wanted to do the magazine, and we had the content. So it was like yeah. it was like a, a platform to showcase content. So yeah. like, like we did a network. I think we later on was like, oh, it's, it's, you know, this is a network. Yeah. But that's how we started. But yeah, what TK was saying, I, when I after I reading Keys to Success, when I learned how to read, that was one of the things that said you got to find a major goal. And and in the same book that I got all the words written down that I didn't know that I had to look up in the dictionary at that same book as well when I when I learned all the gold I wrote I want to own a network which you know I ain't stopping we ain't stopping you know what I mean we 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 achieved that but you know I mean a real network you know like a Netflix now now you think Netflix you think movies you think documentaries you think TV shows you think just content so that was always the goal and like he said creative control it evolved into what it was because Creative Patrol was always a production company. We started it that way. Then me and Chike got with this this lady named Kyle Rosenthal, one of our good friends, and she helped us get our website, which we started building. And 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 when it was about to be done, that's when we that's when Chike was working with Dame. He was in New York with Dame and Most Death, and then it all came together. And I flew back from L.A. to to New York, and we started really building building Creative Patrol and Dane started building his D one seventy two and he started building Blue Rock and all of that. But me and Chike was always creative control. I know that there's there's high highs and there's low lows in business and then you have life outside of that. How important is faith been like on this journey? Faith? Oh man, so important man. See I got a lot of a strong faith in God and Jesus Christ and, and that's what led me through the hood to now, you know what I mean? From, you know, when I look back at, at Chicago and I was at home just recently with my with my guys I grew up with and we, you know, they got to talking about all the stuff we used to get into and I'm like, dang, we used to do all that, huh? I mean, even though I know, but, you know, to hear from them, cause I, you know, when I talk about the fights and all the stuff that the shooting and all the stuff that used to happen around us, you know, I feel like I'm lying because of where I bet right now. I'm like, this, this sounds like a lie. Until I got with them, and they confirmed everything that I be talking about. With the passing of Muhammad Ali this past summer, I can only imagine, like, how much more does your documentary, The People's Champ, how much more does that mean to you now? Mm, I mean, I mean it's, it's like... Our whole point of that was to create a piece of work that one could celebrate the legend while he was alive, but also preserve his legacy for future generations. So I think it it just automatically put into play or activated sort of the second part of that, uh, making sure that now his legacy is preserved with the youth that they can carry it on being that he's not here anymore, you know what I mean? And make, making sure that they put him on the same pedestal that he should be put on or was put on and understand that the sacrifices he did make, how they, if they are allowing us to do some of the things that we're doing today. Making sure that we under, we know our history, you know, um, yeah. and that we, we accurately, you know, describe it or display it so that it doesn't get misconstrued, it doesn't get lost in the sauce, it doesn't get, you know, sort of quote unquote Columbus, you know. Mm-hmm. And I and I say that I say like uh you know, I, I feel like that we're blessed and highly favored. When I say that I think most I think everybody needs to know that and believe that in them. It's not being conceited or nothing. It's like, dude, God is 
God is, is here for everybody and he and we all bless and highly favor when you follow that path. And so I also like that's that's what Ali's story was that God blessed us even tell that story, like how are they calling me when Muhammad Ali died? You know what I mean? This this great figure and I'm getting calls to do interviews because God blessed us to do that story and God bless even the Ben Wilson. You know, I'm I'm in seventh grade when Ben Wilson died, and I used to sneak and try to see him play, and used to what would have loved to have met him. But then mm-hmm. years later, to tell this man's story, and I'm a part of his legacy, I'm like, I just be thanking God, like, thank God, thanks, <laughs> thank you, you know. And and Earl Lloyd, now that we're doing, who was the first African American to play in the NBA, we putting his movie out in the end of April. You know, I'm I'm a part of his legacy, you know. Um, and just the people that I mean, I'm a part of Chike legacy. I'm a part of Kanye's legacy. I'm, I'm like, that is crazy where where God has put me. But I, all I can think is like, man, thank you. And I and and like I said, man, kids need to know it. we all are blessed and highly favored. And when we know that, I think He's gonna continue to bless us and the people that know that definitely because that's something you should know. Some people, I mean, was like people come up to us. And I used to always downplay it, be like, dude, man, y'all this, and dude, that video was that. And I'd be like, oh, man, get out of here. Go ahead on, man. I said, why do I do that? Why do I, I shouldn't do it. I should be like, man, thank you, you know. I'm happy you, like, you know, whatever. But it's like we we conditioned to do that, like, oh, man, go ahead on. I ain't all that. Oh, man, don't be talking about me like that. Go. No, it's like, it's like take that in because that's what you're here for, to inspire, to to help. And you know, and uh, and spread the word to, for me, the word of God, and mm-hmm. that's what I do through through film and through interviews, and and then just to do Jesus walk, just to do a video called Jesus walk with Jesus walking with Kanye in the hood of Chicago, and it's Jesus, which is you know Jesus in that video was Danny, who I told you about Channel Zero. Okay. Have you seen Jesus walk that we did? It's the third version, and uh, so that's Danny, but. You know, just to do that, just to do that video, let me know that he is watching me and he is moving me through wherever we at, through this life that we're in right now. And uh, and that's where that faith come in. And I have that, that that's the faith that get me through the day, all day, every day. All day, every day. All day, every day. All right. So I'm about to get into my tear of the week. For my new listeners, my tear of the week is, well, when you tear a balance, you're setting it back to zero. So I just share something that kind of balances me out. It's usually like a movie or a restaurant or a project. This episode is something a little different. So my tear of the week is a question that I want you all the listeners to to think about. And it's it's more so for the listeners who aren't necessarily um, working full time in their passion yet. But this is the question that I have that that I want you to think about. Whatever you make at your current job, if you made that doing what your passion is, doing what you love to do, what would that look like? What would that look like? What would it feel like? How do you think you could get there to that point? And I don't care if what you make right now, I don't care if it's 30000 I don't care if it's 75000 I don't care if it's 200000 Whatever you make at your current job, if you made that doing what you love to do, doing what your passion is. What does that look like? And I pose this question because I I don't think it's too uncommon for us to feel like, you know, I'm not a real entrepreneur. Or I'm not a real business owner. I'm not a real artist. I'm not a real whatever, fill in the blank, if I'm not in a certain tax bracket. But 
what if, you know, this, this $50,000 that I make a year at this job, what if I made that doing what I love to do? And what does that look like? And granted, <laughs> granted, you're probably going to want to tack on like an extra, you want to try to figure out how you can make an extra five to $10,000 at least, um, you know, cause you got to pay your own health insurance and, um, all, all that sort of stuff, life insurance and IRAs, 401k, you got to figure out, you know, you want to be able to do carry that on. But I feel like, you know, if we can learn to ignore what we think other people's perception of success is, we give ourselves permission to really live this life that we've been given. And I promise, you know, that the goal with this question, with this care of the week is not to be overly philosophical, but <laughs> for, for those of my listeners who this question pertains to, like, seriously, if you can make whatever you make right now, doing what you love to do, what does that look like? That's my chair of the week. We're about to get out of here in a couple of minutes, but before we do, do me this favor again. If you liked anything in this episode, if you valued something in this episode that you heard, I encourage you hit that share button in your app. I'm going to put the creative control information like websites and Instagram and all of their information, Chica and Cootie's uh, information for creative control. I'll put that in this podcast description. Now, if you are not sure how to find the podcast description in whichever app that you are listening to this on, that's okay. You can always go to thebalanceroom.com and look for the this particular episode, which in this case is episode 37. Also, while you're over there, make sure to sign up for the Balance Room newsletter. It'll be a pop-up actually that comes on the screen. You just put your name and your email. That's it. I do not bombard you with emails, but what that newsletter is, is um, I share different opportunities, different information that is probably not on your radar, but that you can benefit from. I just don't share it on the podcast because I don't want to get too wordy and and stuff like that but i encourage you to uh sign up for that newsletter chike and cootie i appreciate you all so so much more than you will ever know i appreciate you so much for accepting my invitation into the balance room the theme song to the balance room music podcast titled thank me later was written and produced by yours truly performed by ingrid wood and the wood tribe orchestra even when i'm gone my voice will still be here until next episode, take care, God bless, and stay balanced. This is Cootie and Chike, and you are listening to the Balance Room Music Podcast with your girl Ingrid. Act like it. <laughs>